Welcome to the Dwelling Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Our hopes is that this message inspires you and builds your faith today. As well. And uh, I want to introduce to you, you know her, uh, Lauren Ionato. She's a worshiper and a warrior, and she's got a word for our house this morning. Let's welcome her up. See, there's always that awkward pause. Y'all supposed to keep clapping until she gets up here. (laughs) Come on, stretch your hands to Lauren. We're gonna pray for her real quick. Father, just thank you for what you've put in Lauren in her life. We know that this word is gonna be uh, just, just gonna bring life to us. And so we just receive it in Jesus' name. Bless her, amen. Amen, good morning. Boy, was that worship not incredible? Oh, y'all were in your pocket. Um, I almost pulled a hammy <laughs> down there. You got to warn us if we need a stretch beforehand. Uh, oh, I'm on, honored to be here. I'm happy to be here every week. I love coming to church. And aren't Gunnar and Bethany the best pastors? They are the best pastors. And we love being here. We've been here three years, four years, three years three or four years, and we love it. It just gets better all the time. Uh, Have you guys ever met those Christians that get a parking ticket because they parked illegally and then blame the devil? (laughs) The Satan is out here lurking. No, you parked illegally, friend. If you park illegally... You get a ticket. That's the consequences of your actions. Okay? (laughs) I'm already preaching. All right. But it's funny. I think, honestly, I think we all know people like that, unfortunately. Um, But I think we've been so turned off by that kind of hyper-spiritualism, blaming the devil for our consequences, that we kind of have swung to the other side and we kind of live like there is no devil, like there is no enemy. Um, And I think that the devil loves that. He loves that you've been turned off by, you know, this hyper-spiritualism over here or this blaming the devil for stupid things the devil didn't do over here. And we just kind of live unaware, blaming each other, blaming politics, blaming everything except for him. And I'm not saying we need to now over-spiritualize everything. We don't need to do that. We don't need to blame the devil for the consequences of our own actions. But I am saying there is a healthy awareness that has to be cultivated if we want to live effectively, if we want to fight the enemy, if we want all that Jesus has for us, if we want to live intentionally, we do have to be aware that there is a spiritual battle going on all the time. There is an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all that he does. And I think if we want to live intentionally, we have to wear the armor of God. This is God's armor, okay? This is not the armor of the dwelling. This is not the armor of Saul. This is not the armor of me. This is the armor of God. We're going to be talking um, from Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. Um, I would say that I have 
circled around this passage a long time. I think it's one of the more familiar New Testament passages. Um, I did memorize it in third grade. Shout out to Christian school. Um, There were songs about it when I was growing up. Got my shield of faith, shield of faith, righteous breastplate. Like, thank you. I was like, nobody else knows this song, really? Golly, Moses. (laughs) But... I'm, I, I would not call myself an expert. I don't know that I'm really an expert at anything, but I'm not gonna stand up here and act like, I have this all figured out, guys, and I'm gonna tell you how to do it too. Like, that is not the vibe. I don't have it all figured out. I don't think anybody that lives up close to me would be like, yeah, Lauren definitely has this all figured out. I don't. Um, I do know that there's a real enemy because he's tried to come for my joy and my purpose and my sanity. I almost told Gunnar multiple times over the last few months, I'm not, I don't think I can do it. And it's not because I can't do it. It was literally the enemy being like, don't do that. You don't have anything to say. Like there is a real enemy and he doesn't want you to walk in the fullness of what God has for you. But fortunately, what I have learned over time is there is an armor. And I'm standing here because of God's grace and faithfulness and the fact that scripture shows us how to walk and shows us how to live. So like Gunnar said last week, there's so much falling away. We see so much falling away all around us and we wanna be people who stand. I wanna be someone who stands and we can stand in this armor. So let's read the scripture together. We'll read the whole thing and then we'll kind of break it down. So starting in verse 13, it says, therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So because there is an unseen realm, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, we need to take up the whole armor of God. We don't fight the way that the world fights. Well, actually, we do fight the way the world fights, but we're not supposed to. We fight what is unseen. Our weapons are not like the world's weapons. And just like Gunnar said last week, it matters how we live. It matters. We don't get to live any kind of way we want. Our, our, um, this armor, it sets us up not just for victory in a battle, but for us to have whole, healthy, and mature lives. Doesn't, don't we want that? Don't we wanna be whole, healthy, mature followers of Jesus? Armor is just coverings worn by someone going into or in a battle, right? Our armor is truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation. And it's only meant to be put on. Paul doesn't give any instruction for when to take the armor off. He doesn't say, 
And then once you get to this point, you're good. Just relax. Just like coast. No, he constantly is telling us, put on the whole armor of God. Take up the whole armor of God. And notice how many times he says all or whole, the whole armor, because every piece matters. Armor only comes in a complete set. You cannot take up a shield of faith without a breastplate of righteousness. You can't wear a breastplate of righteousness without a belt of truth. We're meant to have every piece. Every piece matters. So what does it mean to put on? In verse 11, um, if we back up a little bit, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. And this comes from the Greek word enduo. Enduo. And it means to sink into. I thought that was such a cool definition. Relax into it. Invest with it. The word means invest with clothing, the sense of sinking into a garment. So I kind of get this picture of like relaxing into something. You know when you put something on that fits well and you're just like, ooh, it's like you settle into it. That's what we're meant to do when Paul says put on the whole armor. He's saying settle into it. This is who you are. This, you're supposed to be wearing this every day. So you need to make sure you invest with it, settle into it, put it on. And then we not only put it on, but in verse 13, he says, take up the whole armor of God. That's a different word. And it just means raise it up in order to use it or apply it. So this isn't a list of do's and don'ts. Let's just say that right off the bat because we love a list of do's and don'ts. <laughs> this is not that. There is no list of do's and don'ts. This is not gonna make you earn God's favor. This is not gonna make you earn God's grace or love. This is not what the armor of God is. But he's saying, this is what we use and apply in our daily walk because this is who we are. You are someone who wears truth, righteousness, peace, salvation, and faith. That's who you are. So we put it on and we take it up. We sink into and invest with it and then we use it and apply it. Eugene Peterson, in the message paraphrase of this scripture, he says, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. So what does that look like? If it matters how we live, which it does, um, and we wanna be people of long obedience and be people that stand and apply these things and then not just be fancy Christian words that we throw around, what does that look like practically in our life? So we're gonna look at each piece and what it is, and then we're gonna talk about a practice for applying that thing to our life, okay? Listen, I texted Gunner a few weeks ago. I said, the armor of God is very hard to consolidate into one message. And he said two words, true dad. I was like, thank you for that. I'll do my best. So here we go, okay. Yeah, he's like, good luck. Um, okay, so truth, let's talk about truth. Verse 14, it says, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Truth is the belt. It's the girdle, which is the more accurate word, but I hate that word, so I'm gonna stick with belt, that everything else is held by. And it's first on purpose because the belt is the first thing that a soldier would put on. 
and we're gonna see why truth is first for us on purpose. So one thing about the belt that a soldier wore is that it, part of its purpose was to hold, bear the weight of some of the other pieces of armor. So it kind of helped stabilize the whole set of armor. It bore some of the weight. The same way that a soldier could not carry all of his armor on his own, in his own strength, we need truth because we cannot bear the weight of our righteousness and peace and faith and salvation and all the other things that the armor represents. We don't have it in our own strength to bear the weight of our righteousness. We need truth as a belt to stabilize these other things. We need to know what truth is. What is the truth about God? What is the truth about our identity? What is the truth about the unseen realm? And everyone wants to have a monopoly on truth. Every podcast theologian, every new author, every parenting expert on Instagram, Lord Jesus, I had to unfollow all the parenting accounts on Instagram because they're too conflicting. Every politician, everybody wants to tell you what the truth is. Everybody wants a monopoly on truth. The enemy is a liar and the father of lies and he wants you to think that he's telling the truth. Everybody wants a monopoly on truth. I follow this Instagram account. It's called All Sides Now. And their mission is to expose bias in the media. And so frequently what they do is they'll take one news story but they'll show you the headline from three different news outlets about that same story. And you can tell a lot about what that news outlet thinks the truth of the story is based on the headline that they wrote about it. One news outlet is making this sound like a really great story and one is making it sound like it's the end of the world. And it's just because everyone wants to point out what they believe the truth is, and everyone wants to say they have the truth. Yeah. They have a monopoly on truth. And our culture also wants us to think that truth is relative. In other words, this is good for me, but not, you know, it's good for you, but not for me. You do you. Do you. If that works for you, great. Doesn't have to work for me. That's true with like a few things that don't matter. Like if you like Green Truck Pub, great. I don't like Green Truck Pub, which I do, that's a lie. But that works in that situation. Like you do you, I don't like that, that's fine. That's a preference. But when it comes to truth, we walk around like we have a version of truth. We live like, well, we do, you know, my family goes to church because we like the community. We learn some good things for how to live. Like, you know, it, it works for us but we don't have a version of the truth. We have the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You don't have a version of truth. So we shouldn't live like we do. We should be bold. If you really believe what this Bible says, we need to be bold. I'm talking to myself too, because I don't like conflict or confrontation. So if someone is living in a way that is not, now listen, you gotta use wisdom. You can't just be out here on the street corner yelling at people, don't do that. 
I'm talking about people you like are walking in relationship with. But how do we know what ultimate truth is? Well, John 17, Jesus is praying in the garden before he's arrested. And he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. His word is truth. What he says is true. And then in John 16, Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. We need both. We need to make knowledge of the truth a priority. We don't just need to know what the experts are saying. We don't just need to know what the news channel is saying or what the Instagram is saying or what, what does this pastor think about this cultural moment that's happening right now? What does the word say? What does Jesus say? What is the Holy Spirit showing us? So what's a practice for applying the belt of truth? I read this in a book by Daryl Johnson. He says, know the truth, speak the truth, walk in the truth. If his word is truth, then we need to read it. We need to ask Holy Spirit every morning, guide me into all truth. Because we don't have it all figured out. But we do have Holy Spirit, fortunately, and he has it all figured out. So that's truth. The other pieces are not as long. But truth is foundational. Because if you don't understand the truth, what are you resting the rest of your armor on? An, a misunderstanding or a misconception, and you're gonna tire out because it's not resting on ultimate truth. So let's talk about righteousness. Verse 14, it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So there's two kinds of righteousness in scripture. There's a positional righteousness, and that is just when you give your life to Jesus, you have right standing with God. You have the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's a position that you have that nothing can change. And nobody, you can't, you didn't earn it. You can't lose it. No one can take it away. But there's also a practical righteousness. This is just the practice of doing what is right. Practicing your position. This is the practice of applying truth, of putting off old habits, of putting on the new self, like it says in Ephesians 4. Paul says in Ephesians 4, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. This is practicing our righteousness. Positional righteousness occurs in a moment, and then it is what it is. But practical righteousness is this moment by moment, day by day thing, putting on the breastplate. It means we're putting off and putting on and we're aligning our life with Christ. I'm making my actions line up with my position. I'm gonna make my actions today line up with my position as righteous. Psalm 106, three, it says, how blessed are those who keep justice, who practice righteousness at all times. A breastplate protected the vital organs. Vital organs that if they were injured would, could kill you in a moment, your heart, your lungs, your abdomen. I mean, everything that could kill you instantly pretty much, this breastplate is covering. And I think what Paul is trying to illustrate is that righteousness is protecting us from sin that leads to death. Romans says the wages of sin is death. But if we're putting on and we're putting off and we're practicing our righteousness, 
it's protecting the most vital parts of us. It's protecting my heart from being tempted by sin. If I'm focused on my position as righteous and I'm lining my actions up with this position I already have, that's gonna guard my heart from being tempted and being led astray. So what is a practice for applying the breastplate of righteousness? As you're being guided into truth, ask Holy Spirit to show you what it is you need to put off and what it is you need to put on. What in your life is not lined up with your identity in Christ and your position as righteous? And then actually do it. It's easy to be like, Jesus, show me. And then he shows us and we're like, "Mm." (laughs) okay, well, (laughs) maybe next time. Um, No, actually do it. Actually follow through. Not because you're trying to earn right standing with God, because you already have it. This is already who you are. Okay, peace. We're moving. We're moving through. Here we go. Verse 15, it says, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We see Paul talk a lot about peace in Ephesians. Actually, he's talked about all these things. The armor of God was just a reiteration of everything he's already talked about in Ephesians. Um, It actually, in the original language, was a mnemonic device to like point back to other parts of his letter. So if anything sounds familiar today, it's because it is. (laughs) But he talks a lot about peace in Ephesians, especially through chapters two and three. In the NLT, it says, for shoes put on the readiness to preach the good news of peace with God. I love that. The shoes that a Roman soldier wore, these are my shoes. Do you guys like them? I picked them out especially for this. The shoes that a Roman soldier wore, I couldn't help it. They are kind of hiding behind here and I didn't want to be like, so. Um, (laughs) The shoes that a Roman soldier wore, they're very specific. So a normal civilian they would just wear like leather sandals. Cool. When you would go to people's houses, they had slippers for everybody. Can we do that? Can we just keep slippers at each other's houses? Christy and Dane, I'm bringing a pair of slippers over. I'm just gonna drop them at your door. I think we need to do that. Okay, anyways, I digress. But a soldier, the bottom of their shoes had these hollow metal studs called hobnails. And They were all on the sole of their shoe, and the only purpose was so that they would be steady on their feet. And when I read that, it kind of reminded me of my son's socks, obviously. Um, (laughs) If you are not around small children, toddlers and younger, all their socks have grip on the bottom because toddlers are not very steady on their feet. My son got these PJ Masks socks that someone sent him, whoop, whoop. Cat boy. Um, And they were cute and he thought they were cool. So we put them on and he takes off running. And he, when he goes to take a corner, I mean, his feet slip right out from under him and he is flat on his face. And I realized, oh, these socks don't have grip on the bottom and they're not going to do well on these hardwood floors. So that's what we need. We need shoes with grip on the bottom. The shoes of peace have grip on the bottom. The shoes of peace, peace will keep us steady in a fight. Peace steadies us. There's so much disunity. 
there's so much turmoil. There's so much polarization. You can't say anything out loud hardly without offending somebody. Am I right? Um, we need to be steadied by peace. And we need a readiness to tell others the good news that there is a gospel of peace. So what is a practice for applying the shoes of peace? It's pretty simple. Seek to live in peace with God and with other people. Fight for peace. Fight for peace with each other. Stefan and Gunnar both preached messages around this theme of peace and unity and community. Go back and listen to them. They were very convicting and very good. Walk in peace. Choose to walk in peace as much as possible. Let's talk about faith. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Faith is the conviction of the truth. It's one thing to know what is true. And then it, it's another thing to apply what is true. But a conviction of truth that's what will keep you faithful to the truth in all circumstances. Priscilla Shire says, faith is acting like God is telling the truth. I love that definition. I love it because it's not based on how I feel. And it's not based on what I can understand. It leaves room for me to be like, I really am not too sure how this is going to work out. But... I am going to act like God is telling the truth. And here we see that word again, take up, take up the shield of faith. What are we using the shield of faith for? To extinguish all the darts of the evil one. How can the evil one's darts penetrate us if we are acting like God is telling the truth no matter how we feel? When we just go based off of our feeling, we're holding that shield down here. And we're just leaving ourselves open and exposed. But when we're like, well, I don't know, but I'm gonna act like he is telling the truth. I'm gonna act like I do believe what I read this morning. It can't, there, it can't penetrate us. When I raise up my conviction of truth, when I act like God is telling the truth, it extinguishes the darts the enemy tries to throw at me. And here's the thing, their shield, a Roman soldier's shield, it's not some little like trash can lid size shield, okay? This thing was so big that they could hold it in front of themselves and if they crouched down, their entire body fit behind it. Your conviction of the truth, your faith, your acting like God is telling the truth, regardless of how you feel, is enough protection for all of you. It's enough protection to hide behind, no matter how we feel, in all circumstances, it says. What's a practice for applying the shield of faith? Walk by faith. Act like God is telling the truth, even on the days you don't feel it or you're not 100% convinced, especially on those days Walk through your day acting like God is telling the truth about you and about himself. Look for opportunities to act in faith, to trust anyway. Look for a chance to be like, you know what? This is a good opportunity for me to walk by faith because I do not see how this is gonna work out. 
and I do not feel like it. That's the one that I, obviously, I'm saying it a lot. That's the one that's hard for me. I just don't always feel like it. I don't feel like I have the energy. I don't feel like I have it in me to get up and walk by faith. That is a prime chance for me to act like God is telling the truth about himself and about who I am and walk by faith anyway. Salvation. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. God's salvation is holistic. It's for every part of us and it's for all of our life. Salvation is meant to be an ongoing part of our life, not just a one-time act. That one time when you prayed the prayer and you gave your life to Jesus, that's justification. You've been justified, you are saved, amen. But it's not like, and then do whatever. You know, it's not meant to be like that. Salvation is an ongoing process that happens through this process of sanctification. It's a fancy sounding word, but it just means becoming holy, letting the Holy Spirit change you and convict you and lead you. This is how we're supposed to live when we take the helmet of salvation. It's us pursuing this sanctification process. This is our walk. When Paul says, work out your salvation, this is what he's talking about. And not only that, but the reality of salvation means that we are heirs of a beautiful inheritance. Ephesians 1, 10 through 12, he says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Let me tell you what, Paul loves himself a run-on sentence. <laughs> I feel like when I read Ephesians sometimes, I'm like, we couldn't break this into three sentences because I feel like it's harder to understand because you didn't use commas um, or periods or punctuation. Anyways, what he's saying is, us who hope in Christ, we have an inheritance waiting for us. You know the enemy does not want you to live with that reality in mind. He does not want us to live in light of eternity realizing, first of all, in the end, he loses. Do you know he knows that? Do you know that he knows that? I read yesterday that all of the wrong and evil and everything we see in the world is the enemy basically being mad that he's going to lose. It's not actually up for grabs. The end of the story is not actually up for grabs. And he knows it. And he doesn't want us to live in light of eternity, in light of this inheritance that we have. He wants to flood our minds with negative self-talk, with negative thought patterns, and live unaware of this inheritance that we have in Christ. But when we put on the helmet of salvation, when we remind ourselves of the hope and inheritance we have in Jesus, and we submit ourselves to this process of sanctification, it guards our minds. It guards our minds. It gives us protection. What's a practice for the helmet of salvation? Pursue sanctification. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. And when you feel convicted, don't give way to shame. Conviction is beautiful. 
Conviction means, ooh, I get to be more like Jesus. Let it draw you close to him. And then remind yourself often through scripture reading or through statements of identity that you are a co-heir with Christ, receiving an inheritance. And let that truth protect and renew your mind. Okay, so we've covered a lot of ground. Okay, so let's do a quick review. We have the belt of truth. We're asking Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth. And we have a foundation of ultimate truth. We have our breastplate of righteousness. We're practicing our righteousness. We have our shoes of peace. We're walking in peace with God and other people. We have our shield of faith. We're acting like God is telling the truth. And we have our helmet of salvation. We're being sanctified and renewed and living with our rightful identity in mind. And then we have the last piece of armor. Might be my favorite, if you can have a favorite piece of armor. The sword. There's been five pieces for defense and one piece for offense. Five pieces for defense, one piece for offense. Because it's the only weapon that you need. This is our weapon of attack, and it is enough. Verse 17, it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the first piece of armor that Paul very clearly defines. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There's no guessing what Paul is talking about here. And pretty simply put, we need to know the word. As people who love God, we need to love the word. I read this quote from Derek Prince probably probably 12 or 13 years ago now. It's in his book, Foundational Truths for Christian Living, which if you've ever seen it, is like this thick. Just a few foundational principles, you know? But it covers everything. But he has this quote, and it's always stuck with me and convicted me. He says, your attitude toward God's word is your attitude toward God himself. You do not love God more than you love his word. You do not obey God more than you obey his word. You do not honor God more than you honor his word. You do not have more room in your heart and life for God than you have for his word. Do you want to know how much God means to you? Just ask yourself, how much does God's word mean to me? The answer to the second question is the answer to the first. God means as much to you as his word means to you. Just that much and no more. Shoot, right? God means as much to you as this word means to you. My uh, pastor who led us through this book, she used to say, this is Jesus in the written Jesus was the living word. This is the written word. Like, it's all important. There's no, your attitude toward this is your attitude toward God. But what if we don't love the word? Can we say that in church? What if we think it's boring? What if we don't like reading it? What if we're too tired to read it? What if we don't like reading in general? That's okay. This isn't, about shaming or condemning you into a legalistic act so that you're a better person, okay? But 
you do have to start where you are. You can't grow if you're not honest about where you are. Ask God to give you a love and a hunger for his word. Why would he not do that? Just be honest. God, I want to love your word, and I don't. And you know what? God's not like, how dare you? He's like, that's okay. Like, start where you are. Ask God for a love and hunger for his word, and also make it a discipline to read it consistently. Even if it's a verse or three verses or one chapter, just start somewhere and read it consistently. If you want to deepen your love and hunger for the word of God, read Psalm 119. David loved the word of God and he didn't even have all this. He had like, he had like this much, this little bit. And he loved the word of God. Start there. There's like one zillion Bible reading plans on you version. Pick one. Pick one. Start somewhere. And if you miss a day, it's okay. We're like, I don't, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, but keep going. And then, only then, young Padawan. That's my one Star Wars reference. Listen, on that point, I'm not going to bring all my Star Wars grievances to the stage this morning, but let me tell you what. I have two children, a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, and I have found the time to work my way through the Star Wars universe, okay? I have watched four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, and I'm on Rogue One right now. If I can find the time to watch Star Wars, the longest movies ever, but I wasn't finding time for this, something is off. If my screen time on my phone says that I was on Instagram for two hours every day this week, but I'm telling someone at church, like, I just didn't have time to read my Bible. Something is off, people. And I'm talking to myself. We need to reprioritize. I'm really sorry if that sounds harsh. I just get very passionate when it comes to the word of God because, because we can't use it as a sword if we don't know it. If you don't read it, you don't know. There's a verse in here you can pray when you need healing. There's a verse in here you can pray when you feel anxious. There's a verse in here you can pray over your children. There's verses you can pray over your pastors. Really, anything you need a scripture for, it's in here. But if we never read it, we're just walking around like, I don't know, I'm just so anxious. Friend, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Make your requests known to God. Oh, I'm just so tired. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I need peace. I just have no peace. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. We need healing. By his wounds, we are healed. There is a scripture to wield. And if this is going to be our only weapon of offense, we got to know it so that we can wield it, so that we can use it. What a gift. Wow. Sometimes I think about how like the disciples didn't even have this. 
They didn't even have the New Testament. And we do. We get the whole word of God. It's amazing. So the practice for applying the sword of the spirit is pretty simple. Read it. Make a plan. Make it a non-negotiable appointment. Reprioritize. Reprioritize the apps on your phone. Put your social media on a different screen and put that Bible app first thing. You can now set limits on your social media. You can have it on do not disturb until a certain time. One thing I'm trying to do right now is not look at Instagram before I look at the word. And it's hard because you get into a habit. But the good news is you can get into a new habit. You can read the word. Find a version that you like. Find a plan. Um, Tim, if you want to come back, just Tim can come back. Help me. So how do we practically live with this armor on? We want to be people who stand. People who stand live this way. They value ultimate truth. They practice their righteousness. They act like God is telling the truth. They pursue peace and are steadied by it. They're sanctified and renewed in their mind and aware of their identity. And they know and love the word and apply it. Here's the thing. Again, this is not a list of to-dos. So that you will be perfect and righteous and a better Christian. I could not stand up here and give you a checklist. It's taken way too long in my Christian life to realize there is not a checklist. You are wholly loved. You are wholly accepted. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Most of my Christian life, I've been trying to earn something I already have. Trying to figure out how can I earn God's love? How can I earn God's blessing? How can I earn God's favor? And I would have heard a message like this and been like, okay, let me see. Okay, value ultimate truth. Got it, okay. Okay, I gotta read the word. I would be making a list and I'd go home and be like, okay. Oh, let me try to, let me try to, get ready and check everything off this list. And I would probably make it half a day. And then I would be full of shame. Like, man, I suck at this. That is not what God has for you. You are wholly loved. You are wholly accepted. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are saved and being sanctified. You are a people of peace, of royal priesthood. You are a co-heir with Christ, with a beautiful inheritance. You can be a person that knows and loves this word. He's already given us his righteousness. He's already saved us and set us apart. He's already given us all the grace that we'll ever need. I was listening to Jaira the song Jaira on the way here this morning. I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know what you've spoken. I'm already loved more than I can imagine. And that is enough. But I want to live 
the best way. I want to live with intention. We want to be the salt of the earth. We want to be the light of the world. Live with intention. It matters, you matter. Your life matters. It matters if you get up and read this word. It matters if you're a person that acts like God is telling the truth. It matters if you're being renewed in your mind. It matters. It matters to somebody else. It matters to this city that we are these people that live with intention, that live in this way that God has for us. He's just saying, listen, this is the best way to live. So when the enemy comes, when the circumstances come, I know, I know how to raise up a shield of faith. I know how to put on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm already living with the sword in my hand. I'm already living with a helmet on my head. This is the best way. God's way is the best way to live. The armor of God, God's armor that he's given you. It's the best way to live. This is just a way to practically live out what we say we believe. I wanna be someone who lives what I say I believe. The last verse today that's in my section is verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Prayer fastens all the armor together. Prayer is how we grab hold of what God has for us. Almost all of these practices involve prayer. Asking Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. Asking for Him to show us and lead us, convict us, change us, help us know what to put on and put off. Prayer is what girds all of this together. Just to end today, I wanna pray for two groups of people. The first group, you're just kind of coasting and living without an awareness of what's going on around you for a million reasons. Maybe you just don't realize how much you matter. Maybe you don't realize how much God has for you. I wanna pray for an awareness to be cultivated in us, a healthy awareness that how we live matters so that we wouldn't be in a malaise or just coasting, but we would live intentionally. But the second group, the second group, you know the enemy is real because you feel like all you do is fight. All you do is fight just to make it another day, just to survive, just to get out of bed and you're tired. I get that. I get that. I just wanna pray for the Holy Spirit to refresh and strengthen you. That when you wake up tomorrow, you're ready to put on the armor again. Not because you wake up with a burden of to-dos, but you wake up refreshed and ready to stand, to keep being who you already are. That you would fasten the belt of truth, knowing that the ultimate truth is that God is fighting for me. He tells me to stand here with all this armor because he's fighting for me. That's the truth that we can stand on. And he always wins. He always wins. He always wins. 
in the end, he wins. And because he wins, we win. Amen. So I'm just gonna pray to close us today. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need ultimate truth. We need ultimate truth. God, I pray for those of us that have slipped into just a malaise, just an unawareness of the spiritual realm around us, an unawareness and an unintentionality, if that's a word. God, would you open our eyes? Would you remind us that it matters? We matter. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And we wanna live with intention. Help us, God. Help us to live with intention. I don't wanna get five years, 10 years down the road and realize I don't even, I don't have any history of your faithfulness. I wanna live so intentionally, God, that there's memorial stones all along the way of your goodness and your faithfulness. And God, I pray for the second group, the group that is fighting nonstop. Seems like every day or every week, there's some new battle. God, you said to come to you when we're weary and when we're heavy laden, when we're burdened, and you will give us rest. You won't heap on a bunch of responsibilities and a bunch of things to do, God. You will give us rest. Holy Spirit, breathe life. Breathe life this morning. Give us rest when we're weary. Remind us of the ultimate truth we can stand on. You're so good. You're so faithful. We rest in you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information about The Dwelling, visit thedwellingchurch.org.